Welcome to Explain to Shane. I'm your host, Shane Tews at the American Enterprise Institute. On this podcast, I interview tech industry experts to explain how the apps, services, and structures of today's information technology system work and how they shape our social and economic life. Alex Rosen is passionate about empowering people and businesses to reach new goals through technology, creativity, and connected experiences. Alex was an entrepreneur in residence at the UCLA Anderson Venture Accelerator and a mentor at the Silicon Valley Upwest Lab Incubator. She completed her undergraduate degree at Stanford University and her MBA at the UCLA at Anderson School of Management. Alex came to the United States as a refugee from the former Soviet Union. She didn't speak English, and she watched her family navigate unfamiliar situations to establish themselves in the local community. This inspired Alex to help bridge opportunities for others. It led her to a career in technology to help connect people to access for new opportunities. Alex worked at Google while she was still in college. She worked on a team that created the ability to advertise outside the traditional media outlets, creating new affordable online advertising. Alex's next move was to Cisco, where she worked towards global collaboration on internet connectivity with her teammates. Her move to GoDaddy Venture Forward has given Alex a creative avenue to apply her background in data analytics to enable partnerships with the university teams to show how micro-businesses are bringing local economic growth in a non-traditional way. Micro-business owners may not fall into traditional economic development strategies, but they still need access to skills, training, capital, and affordable broadband to maintain and grow their online businesses. Venture Forward brings well-documented metrics to the attention of local city officials to help micro-businesses flourish. All right. So, Alex, welcome to Explain to Shane. To get us started, you are at a group called GoDaddy Venture Forward. I am familiar with GoDaddy as the domain name registrar company, but this is really interesting how you've, I think, taken a lot of time to understand your customer base and realize there's a lot of tools you could bring forward to them to make being on the web a much more valued proposition. And the piece that you guys, it's, it's the February, oh, summer, the summer 22, 2022 is what I read this morning. This is the most recent one. Yes, it's a, it's a really good report. So tell us about, um, you know, tell us about creating the report, uh, how you got involved in this, just kind of give us a little baseline of, of what's going on here. Absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for having me such a fan of the podcast. And yes, so GoDaddy in general, the mission is to empower entrepreneurs everywhere, making opportunity more inclusive for all. And what better way to do that than to better understand the customers we serve and share that information freely. So Venture Forward was a research initiative that began in 2018. And to date, we've looked at over and tracked 20 million microbusinesses and over 20,000 entrepreneurs who we've surveyed to really better understand who they are, what their impact is on the local economy, and then take that data and be able to publish it and share it. Um, So policymakers and anyone else can leverage it as they try to understand what's happening in the economy. And so the data begins in 2018, but our research looks at everything from effects of micro-businesses during the Great Recession to um, last quarter. I think that you might have some people that will take Emerged to Great Recession, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, you, so the I thought was interesting in this particular report, you went out and spoke to local officials, especially um, like you know the mayors, to talk about what was going on. And you really pointed out some interesting things, or they did, which you included in your report about how there was just a major shift in economics that, at a macro level, 
our federal government, we kind of knew what was going on, but they weren't picking it up in, in any real way in the data perspective. And you guys did a great job. So kind of walk us through what you found out in in the change during the pandemic and in, in micro businesses. So when we say micro business, one of the things is during you know the pandemic years, there's a lot of talk of small businesses being the backbone of the economy. And so what is first the difference between a small business and a micro business? The micro businesses that we're referencing and that we track are businesses that over 92% have less than 10 employees and they have a domain with GoDaddy and a website presence. So they have a digital participation in the economy. Um, Majority of them need less than $5,000 to get started. They're super nimble. And what we saw during the pandemic is that many, many people, especially the ones who were the most financially exacerbated or taken out of the workforce turned to micro businesses. So we saw a huge rise in black entrepreneurship, women entrepreneurship, and under 30 entrepreneurship. Because when you're doing it through a domain, it's much easier to get started in terms of startup costs. Over two thirds rely on their micro business as a source of income. Some as their main source, but majority as a side hustle. And the other thing that we saw that popped out and stood out to us during uh, our recent survey from February 2022 is that much of the motivation differed whether it was a business of necessity or business of opportunity. And what that means is, did they have another source of income when they started this? And it's about half and half between those who were employed when they decided to pursue this because they wanted to be their own boss and they always dreamed of being an entrepreneur versus the ones who didn't have another source of income at the time. I thought this uh, quote by Irene Bustamante Adams, who's deputy director and chief strategy officer of the Nevada workforce, was really interesting. Uh, So she says that in southern Nevada labor force data, they uncovered that many workers were not returning to their hospitality jobs that they'd once held for years. Instead, they wanted an option to be an entrepreneur. We need to figure out how to support their launch and evolution. I feel that Venture Forward data would supply the information we need for internal, uh, you know, data for their support. When I read this, it's exactly what you just said about a side hustle. I got this sense of like people had to leave their jobs because of yeah. what we were doing during COVID. And probably the idea of just getting up and going back to that job was giving them anxiety. And they're like, yeah, let me try something else while I have a minute. And they got online because, you know, th- that was an opportunity it was there and they started doing it. And they kind of figured out like, wait a minute, now I'm doing this. I'm using my time the way I want. I'm This is is flourishing. And you said it doesn't take much to get started, even though for a lot of people, $5,000 is unobtainable. And so you guys have tool sets around that. Can you talk about the tool sets that you provide for this? Sure. Uh, We've looked into what is the help that's needed? Obviously, access to capital. One of the key things is, and that's table stakes, is access to affordable and high-speed broadband. We've done a lot of research that has found that areas that have more broadband saw more micro-businesses then areas that have more micro businesses see a lot of positive economic outcomes. That's why we're so excited to partner with people like Irene, other local policymakers, economic developers, because a lot of times, as mentioned, these micro businesses are too small or too new to show up in traditional government statistics. So us being able to share this data um, allows them to be able to better understand what's happening in their communities, and then design the programs. So are those programs around the need for loans? Are those programs around the need for skills training? Because there's also the ability to get online, which is not necessarily easy. 
and start a business. But then there's how do you grow that business? How do you manage that business? These people are not high tech necessarily. The technology and their presence online is a part of their business, but that's not why they started it. They're not trying to be webmasters. They want to sell their candles, offer consulting services, whatever it may be. And so we've uncovered some of these needs and we share that with folks like Irene who've been incredibly responsive to building the use cases, the business cases, and tracking the ROI on the federal dollar or local dollar investments. So you're, that's great because then you're sharing the fact that more broadband is bringing actually more equity to everybody. And you know they've got plans. They just need to be able to get online and, and go forward. And digital equity has been a, a huge issue that we've been dealing with for the last two years. And you, you uh, comment in one interview I was reading about you where you said that after March 2020, there are more like businesses are more likely to be started by women and people of minority ethnic groups and disadvantaged backgrounds. And so how do you help them find the GoDaddy ventures? You know, because it seems like they're they're hungry for this. But, you know, it's interesting. How do you get to that match so they know that you're there and then you guys can collaborate together? Um, and when we say we collaborate, do you mean us with the local governments or us with the entrepreneurs? All of the above, because I think they all need help. I mean, it's, and you know, the fact that the the data, obviously, you know, we're, we become such a, you know, and you've been dealing with analytics and data for a very long time, but you know, we've been dealing at it at a much more macro level, which you know, it's good for policymaking. But a lot of policymaking, especially right now, is taking place at the state and local level. Right. And you know that you are in talking to these people, and it sounds like you're in a regular dialogue with them, yes. and and then showing them the difference that different tool sets make. Seem like that would make a huge difference in how their local economies are running. Yes. So we have um, been able to approach again, and really we focused on the local level for this reason, because we see that local policymakers, the mayors and their staff are really connected to the local populations and able to move a little bit quicker a lot of the time. So by helping share the data and the proof points that we see micro businesses driving economic mobility and self-sufficiency and ability to create healthy ecosystems and lift up communities that are underserved, when we're able to get their ear, we're able to provide them, and all this available is on our website, um, godaddy.com slash venture forward, where they can see how many are in their community. So for example, we began a relationship with the town of Gilbert, Arizona in 2019. We approached them and we said, do you know your small town has over 35,000 micro businesses? Um, that's, it was something like 15 per 100 people because a lot of times people have more than one. And so then we started surveying those people together with them and saying, what do they need from their local programs? Because that way then, and then how do you reach them? Are they following you on social media? Um, are they tracking on the website? How do we close the fact that there's oftentimes an awareness gap between what's available to them locally, the toolkits, the resources, whether from companies or their government, um, and their needs? And so we've been trying to help usher in that, um, that bridge of information both by we have other teams at GoDaddy who work directly with the entrepreneurs. And then we have our team that approaches the policymakers and most recently has done a collaboration called GoDaddy Open, where we go in and help um, focus on trainings and other resources that we can partner with the local government to offer the local entrepreneurs. So is that digital training? Are you helping them with online tools or what kind of training are you giving them? They include um, getting set up online with their website, understanding marketing, um, different types of curriculum based on their different needs. 
So you have a background in advertising. You started very young um, with Google. <laughs> and I was actually just listening to a, another podcast, um, Ben Thompson's Trichetary, which I love. And they're just talking about all the changes that are going on now in the ad space for a bunch of reasons. But the idea of micro-targeting has really like hit its stride. So I imagine you, and you talk about this in some of the articles I read about you, about, you know, at one point you, one guy did so well that he spent all his budget like within like a, <laughs> like a week on, on, I don't know, it was AdWords and he was mad and you're like, this is actually like a, a raging success. You should be excited. You just, the problem is you need to get more money to do more advertising. Hopefully you got more products sold. Uh, so tell us about the the advertising side of that and, and how you help manage companies understanding that they need to advertise and that how to get that balance of being able to provide for your customers and letting the customers know that you exist. It was an incredible, incredible experience to be at Google in 2006, 2007, those early days when AdWords was extremely experimental. And what drew me to it was the fact that that same kind of democratization of opportunity information, like it's such a freedom of expression to be able to choose what you do, who you reach, things like that. And so having AdWords is one of the first times people were able to come online and try to uh, like you're saying, advertise themselves and really understand the whole new system and how to do that. A lot of times marketing, I see this with startups when I advise versus, and even with small businesses, takes a back burner to just core operations and kind of that ability to know how to communicate and how to reach your target base is so important. Um, it gave me a much, that experience gave me a much greater empathy and understanding of both the considerations but especially the emotional stress and fragility, vulnerability of starting your business, putting for that customer when his money spent out, he wasn't thinking I just got a bunch of sales or I, I reached a lot of people. He was thinking I had a set budget. And so I think about that now as I've moved from Google and working at Cisco to now at GoDaddy, focusing on the everyday entrepreneur. How do we work in that sensitivity? How do we understand that they have time pressures and, and getting that training for marketing? How do we talk to them where they are in their journey? And that's something I've seen GoDaddy do really well. I'm very excited that you guys have these tools available because I have, I'm kind of the person because for a lot of my friends that one of them in particular is about ready to go, well, she's going out on her own with her own law firm. She's, a, she's an amazing lawyer. And she's like, how do I do this? And I was like, let me, let me point you to a direction of people who know what you're doing. Otherwise I'll right. spend the entire day putting your website together, which I don't want to do. Um, right. but I want her to have great success. So it's, it's great that you guys are out there. So a little more about your background. Mm -hmm. So you moved here um, from the former Soviet Union as a young kid and you didn't you didn't speak English when you arrived? That's right. I came not knowing any English. <laughs> so you were like, you know, you were the prototype of everything that we think we, we you know, when we think, what, what can we do to make sure that democracy goes around the United, you know, the world? And, and particularly where we're kind of struggling with this now as we watch what's going on in the United States with disinformation right. and misinformation, um, you know, that you, you really came into this. And what made you decide, like, what was it that brought you to technology? Yeah, I... Love this question because I am so passionate about technology. Uh, to me, technology is such an art and a science. It is that infrastructure. It is that train that carries ideas. It is that tool that's the pencil that you write with. It is just such a, it's a structure that allows people to get creative within a framework. Um, technology to me was that connecting of the unconnected. To me, I saw it as you are able to create something um, in any direction you want. And so when I first learned about Google and what they were doing, um, again, this was 
15, 20 years ago of the searches and they were scanning books and that access to information coming, growing up hungry for information, hungry for how I can contribute and give back. I've always felt so fortunate that I was one of the people that my family brought me to this country. I was very young and they came to a country where they also didn't speak the the language very well. And they didn't know what they were in for. They just knew that there was something out there that they believed would be better. And that kind of that ability to build from scratch, that self-expression, the ability to make a life and a living just always really inspired me. And so when I saw technology, I saw this ability, whether it was Google, um, again, Cisco as the backbone of the internet, or now with GoDaddy to these entrepreneurs, I saw these companies really take a stand of allowing others to be empowered. And so that's what I see is the ultimate upside of technology. It can go in any direction, but when it's used as a force for good, as a framework for good, it allows people to access new opportunities uh, in a way they wouldn't otherwise. And so that's always motivated me of as I've chosen the companies I've worked for and with, just what how to find ways to contribute um, back to others who are trying to build their dreams and wanting to be that bridge in a way that I felt others have been a bridge for me. Permissionless innovation is, you know, we talk about that a lot and that's really what allowed technology to flourish is you, you just kept building on the tool sets and open ideas and, you know, kind of, is it possible? Let's go for it and see if we can. And now we're getting to a stage where we're seeing legislation in front of um, both the House and the Senate and a lot of work going on over in Europe where they're starting to want to rein in what they call big tech. Uh, and that I am very concerned about it because I am not a a fan of re- regulating before you have a problem. Um, you know, this whole idea that we are going to invert the way the Federal Trade Commission works and say, we're, we're going to have this precautionary principle rather than permissionless innovation, I think is is very um, potentially dangerous in how we manage through this. And I, to me, I think, especially from somebody who's from a former Soviet Union, came here and like flourished and said, look at all this information that's for me. The idea of the government stepping in would might kind of feel a little bit too close to home. That's an interesting question. I, um, when it comes to the work, I take a step back and say that looking at the entrepreneurs we're talking to, this has also been interesting because a lot of them aren't registered with necessarily an EIN or as an LLC, et cetera. Identity, I think, plays a big role here. So a lot mm-hmm. of these entrepreneurs, they don't necessarily even see themselves always as an entrepreneur. Or a lot of times we get asked, well, what industry is are these entrepreneurs in? Do you see manufacturing growing? Do you see whatever it might be, um, entertainment growing. And if you ask them, they're like, I sell candles or I sell cheesecake. Um, and so what I think is interesting is they they just get on and start moving and they don't necessarily feel even the competition or the industry competition or the regulations. They see what are the costs of doing their business? How do they get their website going? I thought some of your statistics in the your report, the summer report, where you talk about the impact of micro impact of micro business activity was for um, it, unemployment would be reduced by 0.1 percent for every one point of increased uh, micro business activity index, and especially right now where we're dealing with so much unemployment, the fact yeah. that you guys are able to find a way to quantify this, and especially for you know your policymakers at the state and local level. Um, it just shows that there there are certain there are ways to do this. I'm looking for the chart where you talk. Oh, here it is. Um, trends that uh, change in the number of the e-commerce entrepreneurs by industry, and yes. in that you you saw a huge uptick in events, transportation, travel, public space, and entertainment. One of my questions here was 
this is during the like we're still in the middle of COVID, but yet this is where you're seeing things grow. And we, was this just like the economy getting back up and running and people wanting to get out? Yes, uh, you have such a keen eye, because if you look at our report from just uh, last year, we'll see that the ones that the e-commerce industries, and again, this isn't necessarily self-reported, because back to the point of they don't see themselves in an industry, but the ind- the website can be categorized as an industry, we see those trends and upticks. So during 2020, 2021, we're seeing that it was camping, outdoors, those kinds of e-commerce that were picking up. People wanted to be outside, socially distanced, things like that. We're seeing now, again, travel, like you said, entertainment, things that involve social gatherings. So it's a really interesting insight into what is happening in our local economies. And you're exactly right. One thing that motivated us from 2019 on is the fact that not only does unemployment go down for every one micro business per 100 people in a community or a point increase in the micro business activity index, but for every one of these entrepreneurs, us partnering with UCLA, with the University of Iowa, ASU, we found correlation and causation that there's two jobs created for every one of these entrepreneurs, that annual household median incomes go up in a community as well. So there are macro and micro effects out of every one of these micro businesses in the community, and they matter. And sometimes they feel too small to matter, but they do matter in a very quantifiable way. You did a a nice collaboration with one of our colleagues that's right next door, Brookings Institute, about uh, they talk about how many local economies, growth policies focus on targeted industries or chase well-documented metrics such as job creation. But you've given them micro businesses and the owners that they can fall. They don't fall neatly into these categories like you're talking about. And so the idea of how to kind of capture them at the local level, I think, would be pretty exciting for anybody who's on a city council or um, you know, dealing with state government. And so I highly recommend my friends, my colleagues at Brookings piece for people to read who are curious about this. So what are you focusing on now? What's next? Well, we just recently launched our data hub that at godaddy.com slash data hub. This has all of our information. It has the index. It has from zip level up to national level, quarterly data around, um, the presence of micro businesses, where they are. So you could look at it at any of these geographical grains. You have our e-commerce data that's um, just recently published in September, um, where you can look at these trends also geographically as well. And we have over 20,000 entrepreneurs surveyed over the past few years. We've been doing these annually and have moved into biannually. So we can understand those demographics. Are we seeing BIPOC populations turn to entrepreneurship more? Are we seeing that under 30 tend to want to be unicorns more in terms of long-term ambitions? What are their issues in terms of, is it, how are they responding to inflation? How are they responding to, um, you know, how many of them are only online? Things like that. So we're continuing to update that data set because data in the hands of people who could do something with it is just incredibly powerful. And we want to put it into as many hands as possible. We're also very open and welcome to working more closely um, with academic partners, anyone else, media, um, other partners who are interested in the data to walk through it. But we wanted this to be easy to download, easy to access and free. So are the data sets available if somebody wants to come in and and kind of play with your data? And I'm not a data scientist, but I admire people who are. Uh, So is that something that they can contact you and say, hey, I'm kind of curious and go see what you're doing and get into the metrics? Would you walk them through that or would you let them go play in your sandbox? Both. Okay. Awesome. That's fantastic. 
Yes, we're always willing to have those conversations because just like this conversation, that to hear someone else's perspective of how it digests allows us, first of all, to build on how we present it, allows us to ask new questions and invites that collaboration. We did a paper recently last year and this year with the Milken Institute taking their best performing cities index against our micro business densities and activity index and find those relationships. We've worked with um, my sidewalk. We, we love collaborating with people who want to roll their sleeves up, get into the data. And we also don't want to control the process, let people Again, the art and the science of it. Let's have that unbound innovation. How did you put it? I loved it. Uh, oh, permissionless innovation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's it's key. It's key to keeping this going. For those of you who are listening to this, I wish you could see the big smile on Alex's face when she talks about this. She just seems so excited about it. Well, Alex, I wish you tons of luck. We will pay attention to what you're doing going forward. Please keep us up to date and informed because we love this type of work that you're doing. And I really appreciate you being a guest today on Explain to Shane. Thank you so much, Shane. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of Explain to Shane. For more episodes, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred listening platform. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in. We'll see you on the next episode of Explain to Shane.